All it takes for evil to win is for good people to do nothing. A lot of people have paraphrased this quote over the years. It's attributed to Edmund Burke, but it was also used by Martin Luther King Jr. and many others. One more time. All it takes for evil to win is for good people to do nothing. And evil is relentless. It chips away at the foundations of all that is good continuously. And it has done so from the beginning of humanity. All it takes for evil to win is for good people to do nothing. But who is good? Some people get vaccinated to be good, to protect themselves and others. Some wear masks to be good, to protect others, though the masks do very little good for them personally. Some follow the health orders that have been issued across the nation and around the world to be good. After all, isn't the common goal to protect the world's population from this horrible pandemic? Isn't it? Please tell me that that's the goal. Some refuse to be vaccinated to be good. What? How could that be good? Aren't they risking spreading COVID to others? This requires a little explanation, as it's a little less obvious. First, vaccinated people are still getting sick, and thus can still spread COVID. It seems to be true that they are not getting as sick, but the virus still reproduces in their bodies. Hmm. Okay. But that still does not explain how not getting vaccinated could be the moral and good choice. After all, are we trying to beat a virus? Don't we want to eradicate SARS-CoV-2? Clearly, the vaccines developed thus far anyway are not going to eradicate COVID. People who have been vaccinated are still getting sick. And now the decision makers are starting to call for a third round of vaccinations to see if that might help. Now, this requires wisdom. The media has tried to make this a binary discussion by labeling people who don't get vaccinated as anti-vaxxers. What's an anti-vaxxer? Well, that's a person who ignores science and irrationally puts the population at risk. Hmm. Let's, let's step back for a moment. Many or even most people who are opting out of getting vaccinated for COVID have had dozens of vaccines during their lifetimes. They've trusted and believed in the benefits of many vaccines. That does not mean that they agree with getting all vaccines. It might just mean that they have decided, ready for this, to be responsible for their own health and to make their own health decisions based on the best information they are able to find. Let me say that again. They're not anti-vaxxers. At least most aren't. They're taking personal responsibility for their own health and making their own health decisions, which includes getting many vaccines, just not the COVID jab. So why the labeling? Why make this discussion binary? The media asserts that one either gets vaccinated for the common good or is an evil, arrogant anti-vaxxer. Really? Could they be any more obvious in their propaganda? Yes, it is propaganda. They're trying to convince everyone to get vaccinated. They're using all the legal leverage they can muster to do so, and now they are starting to use illegal leverage as well. Will the current COVID vaccines eradicate SARS-CoV-2? Nope. 
clearly that is not going to happen. Since we're not eradicating COVID, and since people are still getting COVID even after vaccination, then why not be thoughtful and reasonable about the vaccines? Here's a thought. Almost no young people die from COVID. Almost no young people have long-term ill effects from having had COVID. They are not at any significant risk. So why inject a foreign substance with potential dubious efficacy and side effects into their bodies? They're not at any significant risk from COVID. Why submit their immune systems, their own health, to the stressors of the vaccination? Again, vaccinated people are still getting and potentially spreading COVID. Yes, one may argue, but it helps. Okay, so does being healthy in the first place. The numbers are clear. The vast majority of healthy people who catch COVID have light cases. Hmm, sounds a lot like vaccinated people, doesn't it? And it has also been shown that vaccines compromise the immune system. No, vaccines don't destroy the immune system, but they have been shown to weaken it significantly. Again, why would not getting vaccinated be morally good? Let's back that question back one level. How about this? Is it good for people to take responsibility for their own health? Isn't being responsible for one's own health good for individuals and society as a whole? Matter of fact, if everyone had been healthy when the COVID outbreak began, then there would have been almost no deaths from COVID. This crisis would have been less dangerous than the average flu season. So why shouldn't we choose to be responsible for our health? Vaccines clearly are not without significant and published risks. Which is the greater risk for a young and healthy person, COVID or the vaccine? Be careful now. The propaganda screams that the vaccine is a lesser risk. Is it? Well, even if it is, humans have chosen the greater risks for thousands of years because they align with greater rewards or align with personal convictions. Do thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. Okay, the bard's not always correct, but there is a ton of truth in that statement. To thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. Hmm. If you're not true to your own best convictions and understandings, then who are you? Who are you? You see, this is about personal responsibility and even identity. This is not about anti-vaxxers. This is about knowing oneself and about making the best decisions one can based on the evidence and the information at hand. For the record, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Getting the vaccine may be the lesser of the evils for millions of people. But I am and will always be one who makes his own decisions regarding what is best for his own health. That's a very personal right, and I will not forfeit it. But it's more than a right. It is a responsibility. It is imperative. It is foundational to what it means to be alive and to pursue what is best for oneself and others. So yes, some people are opting not to get vaccinated to be good, and for the greater good of others. They are at minimal risk from COVID and are taking personal responsibility for their own health, 
And taking personal responsibility for one's own health is a very good thing for society as a whole. I wish that everyone was that thoughtful and responsible. The world would be a much better place if they were. If you choose to be vaccinated, then good for you. If you choose not to be vaccinated, then good for you. It's your responsibility to make that choice. But we should be very concerned if anyone tries to take that choice away. Is it your body or not? Let's stand opposed to the anti-vaxxer rhetoric. It's false, divisive, accusatory, and propaganda. Again, all it takes for evil to win is for good people to do nothing. Is the vaccine evil? I doubt it. Let's hope not. It's simply an option to consider, but I'm going to call out what evil is. It is evil to attack personal responsibility. It is evil to abdicate your responsibility to govern your own health and safety. It is evil to label and attack those who choose to be personally responsible as bad people. Let that soak for a minute. Why is our society calling evil good and good evil? What's going on here? Are we so weak and miserable that a threat like COVID really has the power to strip us of responsibilities that are foundational to individual human existence? Yes, COVID is real and COVID can be dangerous, but failure to take personal responsibility for one's health and or abdicating that right is much more dangerous than COVID. This is in part why there were 1,288,000 deaths from heart disease and cancer in the U.S. in 2020. There were about 375,000 COVID deaths, at least reported COVID deaths. I've already covered how the COVID death counts have been significantly exaggerated if compared to pre-COVID cause of death reporting criteria. I'm not going to open that can of worms today. You can research that yourself. So I'm just saying that the 375,000 is not a correct number. But still, what's the point? 1.3 million deaths from heart disease and cancer in 2020 and 375,000 COVID deaths. Hmm. What does that say about one taking personal responsibility for one's health? Again, failure to take personal responsibility for one's health and or abdicating that right is much more dangerous than COVID. And this is true individually and for society as a whole. Shifting gears here. In my gut, I've known that the statement wearing is caring was fundamentally false and misleading. I know that sounds mean-spirited and uncompassionate. I don't mean it to. I am not mean, and I do care. That's the quandary. I've been working to put my finger on the reason my gut sends up red flags every time I see those wearing as caring notices for quite some while. Now, the assertions have been expanded to include getting vaccinated as caring, too. Hmm. What's really being said by such statements? In short... Individuals are responsible for the health of other individuals. Do your part to protect everyone. Now, on the surface, this sounds very compassionate and responsible. On the surface, I have to agree. And every one of us should do what we can to look out for the common good. We should do what is responsible to help others. Why? Well, because it's imperative that we have love for each other. Compassion is key and foundational to being a responsible adult. Compassion. Compassion really does matter. Compassion is good. 
We all hear the stories of those who risk or even sacrifice their lives to save others, and it's in our nature to applaud, but should we? Let's think this through a little bit. I once heard a wise person say that it's easy to die for one's family, and a great sacrifice to be sure, perhaps one with a significant amount of bravery involved, but it's far harder to truly live for one's family. Living responsibly for one's family or loved ones is not only more difficult, but it also requires that a person preserves his or her own health to be able to live it in service to others. So what's the principle here? In first aid training courses, the first step in helping an injured person is to assess the safety of the setting. Why? Because if a helper also gets hurt, then there are two people down and perhaps no one left to help. If one is about to drown in a raging river, it makes perfect sense to do almost all one can to save the drowning victim. Should the saver dive into a class 5 rapid in hopes of saving the drowning victim? Good question. Odds are both would die. While it would be criminal not to throw the drowning victim a rope, jumping in the torrent may not help anyone and could actually make the odds of survival worse for the original victim as well, because there would be two people to save, twice the original problem. If you are drowning, you will be of little help to save the drowning person next to you. Why am I talking about living for others and talking about not jumping into raging rivers? The principle is that if you do not care for your own health and safety, then you will not be fully available to help others. It does no good to die trying to save someone. Someone might call you a hero, but you would still be a dead hero, and odds are that the original victim is no better off. Wisdom dictates that the responder protects his or her own health and safety in the attempt to help those in need. It's not selfish, it's critical. So how far should action based on compassion go? Compassion could have no limits, but action to save must have limits for the good of everyone. This is a very challenging concept when applied to real circumstances. Sometimes there's no right or wrong action. We must do the best we can and hope for the best outcomes. Where does one draw the line? It's easier to draw this line when life safety issues are at stake. Raging rivers are an obvious threat. But what about less obvious threats? Now this next part is the hard part to really understand. It would be easy to take some of the following out of context and accuse the speaker of being selfish and uncaring and even of risking the lives of others. So please, agree with me. Let's exit from the emotional response for a moment and consider the entirety of the following perspective. Really think it through. Where does it lead as a society? Where does the opposite belief system lead? As you know, what we believe has very real consequences. That's why it's imperative that we do our best to have real, defensible understandings on subjects of great consequence. You are responsible for your beliefs. Your teachers are not responsible for your beliefs. Your political party is not responsible for your beliefs. Your friends are not responsible for your beliefs. Your parents, family, or even spouse is not responsible for your beliefs. You are. So is it not worthwhile to learn and explore and research and have a belief system that's not driven by someone else's rhetoric or propaganda? Of course it's worthwhile. What you believe matters. It will determine much of the outcome of your entire life, as well as eternity in many worldviews. 
Come, let us reason together for a moment, open-mindedly and without accusations. Remember, compassion matters. It's very important. Okay, here we go. Jumping in. Wearing is caring. Hmm. Is it? Wearing is caring is based on the presupposition that we are responsible for the health of others. We wear a mask just in case we might not know that we are sick so we can keep others from our COVID germs if we have them. Why? To keep others healthy. And many believe that not wearing a mask is potentially killing others. Whoa, wait a minute. We just went from using some cloth to cover one's face all the way to murder in a single step talking about escalating the issue. That's why this is such a volatile thing to talk about. Oh, and you wearing a mask does almost nothing to keep you safe from COVID. I think you already know that. At least not the masks that the general public has access to and are currently using. This is easy to prove and the general agreement of the authorities. The mask is not for you. It is to protect others from you. Let's slow down and back up from the precipice. Let's take a breath. Setting emotionally charged, preconditioned responses to the side, let's explore this one idea three ways. Number one, can one be responsible for another's health? Number two, should one be responsible for another's health? Number three, is it even legal for one to be responsible for another's health? For the sake of argument, let's assume that I am responsible for your health. Now, We are assuming you are an adult and that you have the mental capacity to function as an adult in the world. To be responsible for your health, I not only get to, but must make your health decisions for you. Otherwise, I'm not responsible for your health. Thus, it follows, I must determine how you eat each meal, how you sleep every night, how and when you exercise, how much alcohol you drink and when, whether or not you use tobacco, whether or not you use other drugs, how much coffee you drink, your personal thought habits, when and if you go to a mental health professional, your religious beliefs, at least in as much as they impact your health, how many sex partners you have, your sexual practices with those sex partners, what sports you participate in, how you drive your car, which vaccines you receive, where you live, is it a healthy environment, what risks you are allowed to take, the temperature of your heater and your air conditioner, how and how often you bathe, how you brush your teeth, how you wash your hands, how you clean your house, where you spend your time, how and when you use the toilet, how you meditate, the vitamins you take, when you will visit a doctor, what medical tests you will have and how often, whether or not you will follow the doctor's advice, what surgeries you might have, and even how you breathe. And of course, the list goes on and on. To answer the first question, can one be responsible for another's health? Wow that would really be very difficult. The only way this even works a little is if the caregiver and the dependent were to live together nearly full-time. But wait, we're talking about fully functional adults here. Or to take this to the wearing is caring level, is it possible for one to be responsible for the health of people they've never even met? Clearly, it is not possible. It's impossible for me to be responsible for your health. Are you ready for me to be responsible for your health? Second question. Should one be responsible for another's health? 
Want me to read the list again? If I'm responsible for your health, then I get to dictate how you eat, sleep, exercise, bathe, and even breathe. Really, there's only one person who should be responsible for your health. Of course, that is you. If I attempted to be responsible for your health, it would be nearly impossible unless I took all your freedoms away and monitored you 24 hours per day continuously. This is starting to sound like a terrifying dystopian concept, and it should terrify you. It should terrify all of us. This is where this thinking leads. Why? Because woven into the very fabric of creation is the fundamental essential of free agency. We must determine how we live. No one else can do that for us. It is your life. It is your body. It's your time to spend. Clearly, no one should be responsible for your health except you. Okay, what about the third question? Is it legal for one to be responsible for another's health? Well, is it legal for someone to take away another's free agency? Can I walk up to a random lady in the grocery store and declare that from that moment on, I will determine almost every decision about how she conducts her life? That's the only way that I can be responsible for her health. Is that legal? Clearly, I'm not talking about the difficult legal dance that takes place as people become incapable of caring for themselves. I'm talking about adults who still have all their capacities. Is it legal to take away one's right to live as he or she sees best? Clearly, it's not. It's not legal for me to be responsible for your health. There's probably an appropriate Latin phrase that means something along the lines of, If I cannot control your past, I cannot be responsible for your state. Or maybe it would be simpler to say, If I cannot throw the ball, then how can I determine where it lands? Can we all agree then that ultimately, no one can be responsible for another's health? It's impractical, immoral, and illegal. Let's use another analogy. The Olympics just finished up. Let's think about an Olympic race. The competitors line up at the starting line. Everyone sits on the edge of their seats. Who will win? Who's the fastest? Who's the strongest? What amazing feats will we see today? The race begins and soon the leaders break from the pack. But then something unexpected happens. Those in the back cry out to the leaders that they have to slow down because those in the back did not eat as well or train as much. So it's not fair for the leaders to outpace them. The leaders should play by the rules of those who didn't train. After all, it's only fair, right? Ouch. Here's another analogy. Susan valued health and fitness for the last 20 years. She is strong and vibrant. She ate healthy food, exercised daily, and did thousands of things to maintain her health. Jack, however, could not be bothered with such things. Jack ate donuts three meals a day, smoked, drank a lot, fed his mind with trash, and his only exercise was walking to the toilet to pay for his health sins several times per day. Before long, Jack finds himself in the hospital. Heart disease, diabetes, maybe even cancer. The government determines that Jack's condition is Susan's fault. Susan must close her gift shop. She's not allowed to travel, and if Jack gets sicker, it is Susan's fault because... Um, because why? Well, that starts to hit home. You see, Susan invested in her health for decades and is resilient. 
Even threatening illnesses like COVID-19 are easy for her immune system to fight off. She chose health from the start. So now to punish her for her wise decisions, she must hide her face in public, close her business, and get injected with an experimental cocktail of manufactured lipid nanoballs, manufactured messenger RNA, chemical stabilizers, and various salts in sucrose. Two times. No, three times. Or how many will it ultimately be? You see, Susan is responsible for Jack's health. It is Susan's fault because she did not cover her face right. Oh, but wait. Susan never knew Jack and could not make 20 years of life decisions for him. Besides, it would have been impractical, immoral, and illegal for Susan to be responsible for Jack's health. Remember? Interesting argument, isn't it? Clearly, one cannot be responsible for another's health. That's a non-starter. But let me argue the other side for a bit. Is it wrong for Susan to wear a mask and to get vaccinated because there are so many jacks in this world? Can't she choose to do so out of concern for others? Of course she can. Susan is in charge of her own health decisions. Keep in mind that COVID presents no significant threat to Susan. Matter of fact, Susan caught COVID several months ago, quarantined to protect others, and bounced back as healthy as ever a few days later. She'd rather see people's wonderful faces and smiles than for them to cover their faces for her. And Susan is careful about what she puts in her body. She chooses her food, skin products, and her living environment carefully because she's always valued vibrant health. She is well self-educated about health and carefully considers her health decisions. But could Susan decide to hide her face in public and get injected? She could. She has the right to. Any reason why not? After all, Susan is a compassionate person who really does care for Jack, although she's never met him. And Susan believes with her whole being that Jack also had the right to make his own health decisions. But what if masking up and getting vaccinated had some very real health consequences? What if there were real risks, measured risks, published risks? Then what should Susan do? Well, it is Susan's right to decide that. No one can do that for her. But keep in mind, the government, the media, and millions of jacks are telling her that she is responsible for other people's health. Oh, and if Jack suffers a worse fate, it is Susan's fault. And if she wants to buy food, or fly in an airplane, or work in an office, then she can no longer make her own health decisions. She has to let Jack do that for her. And one more important thing, just so everyone knows that Susan is sacrificing her own health for Jack, Susan really does need to hide her face in public. That shows that she has submitted to Jack's health decisions. Then others will know that they should submit too. Everyone must submit. And we will cover our faces as a testament to our solidarity that Jack was right all along. After all, wearing is caring. Whoa there, that's heresy. You can't really mean that. If all it takes to take care of others is putting on a mask, then that's such a small price to pay. Susan, just hide your face. What's the big deal? You're overthinking this. Put on a mask. You don't know who might get hurt if you don't. Are we really back to that again? Okay, let's pause. Let's take a breath. Whew. Susan decides that the best way she can help others is to set an example of great health by showing her face, exhibiting the courage of good health, helping others in need, caring for her neighbors, 
quarantining herself if she ever does get unwell, teaching others how to make wise health decisions, and celebrate everyone's free agency and personal responsibility. Susan has decided to choose great health over fear, and at least to her, the mask is really just cowardice. To where it means that she agrees that Jack's in charge, and that she is caving to the governmental and social pressure, telling her that she does not have the right to make her own health decisions. Susan knows that if she really cares for others, then she must set this example. Wearing is cowardice. Sharing vibrant health is caring. Wearing is submitting to Jack's health decisions. Wearing proves that Jack's plight, in some way, could be her fault. Smiling at people with her own vibrant glow and helping others to be healthy too is a path that Susan has chosen. All it takes for evil to win is for good people to do nothing. Now, you may not agree with Susan. That's your right. But it's not your right to determine what Susan thinks. What's more, if we don't vigilantly protect Susan's right to make her own health decisions, then we have contributed to a far greater threat than COVID ever presented. Many people say that nothing is wrong with masks. Is that really true? I defend your right to wear a mask. I also defend your right not to. I defend your right to get vaccinated. I also defend your right not to. I do not need to agree with your choices to defend your right to make them. I do not need to agree with your lifestyle to defend your right to live it. And I stand opposed to any power that would coerce people to abdicate their responsibility to make their own health choices. Wake up, world. We are on a very slippery slope, and many have already fallen off the edge. Wake up. Don't be silent anymore. Get a grip on something solid and move away from the edge. And while you're at it, help some others get back to firm ground as well. Don't follow the asinine off the cliff. What good would that do? Be an example of personal responsibility. Be an example of great health. Be an example of one who's courageous and really cares for others. <laughs>